0: The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Welcome
1: back to another episode of the Career Contessa podcast, your shortcut to being more fulfilled, healthy, and successful at work. I'm your host, Lauren McGowan, and today I'm joined by Dr. Sasha Shorthian to discuss procrastination, an annoying label and behavior many of us probably struggle with. Turns out, procrastination has a lot less to do with your time management skills and way more to do with your relationships as a child. Get ready for some therapy vibes, but they will be totally worth it because they're going to be very transformational. And now this is the Career Contessa podcast. Have you ever been anxious over something on your to-do list for days, maybe even weeks? I'm sure we've all been there. We procrastinate a task, and the longer we wait, the bigger the thing becomes in our own heads. And when we finally complete the task, we often wonder why we waited so long in the first place. It's usually way less painful than all the procrastination we did, right? And we know that procrastination can do a lot more damage than just wasting our time, which is why I'm ready to learn some simple practices to help me beat this annoying habit once and for all. To help, we have Dr. Sasha Shokrian, a doctor of psychology and a relational coach here to share some tips. Dr. Sasha, welcome to the show.
2: Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here.
1: All right. So first let's start with your background because people might not know what a relational coach is and you're obviously pretty legit as a doctor of psychology. So give us a little background on you and then how did you become known as sort of this person who can help people with procrastination?
2: So, interestingly enough, I got my doctorate in psychology. And, you know, for someone who was always a huge procrastinator throughout my schooling, whether it was in grade school or high school, I was really intimidated by the thought of going back to graduate school and getting a doctorate in psychology. And I remember as a child, my parents and teachers wondering if I. Had suffered from ADD, having meeting after meeting, really trying to figure out what was causing me all this distraction. Yet, so much of what I was able to learn after becoming a doctor and a relational coach, which was really about understanding our earlier relationships, was that you know this has so much. This is so rooted in our early childhood. So, you know, to really understand. I think it's it's critical to know if you're a parent to a child who deals with procrastination or if you're an adult, you know, how this label came about. You know, pr- procrastination is one of those umbrella words like boredom. We hear the word and we don't really know entirely what it means, but we really rarely take the time to break it down and see all of what it encompasses. So no one is born a procrastinator. You didn't just come out of your mother's womb this way. So the first thing I really want to clear up before anything else is that this isn't genetic. Procrastination or you could say task avoidant behavior is something that is really difficult for many people to work through because it's often associated with things like laziness or not caring or being unambitious you know the list goes on but and it's it's definitely an area that gets a lot of stigmatism and really not enough of the right attention so i really got into this field because i wanted to not only break down the barriers with procrastination but how our earlier childhoods really affect everything within our adulthood
1: yeah, absolutely. I mean, the I it's re, I recently did a solo episode about how to how I've been like kind of learning to overcome my I have this like obsession with sort of overachievement. It's just like the 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 speed on the treadmill just keeps going up, you know. And it's like, why am I like that? And when I was kind of trying to research more about this, it all kept coming back to childhood stuff. Like a lot of times, it's like where you got your praise is you just kept doing, doing. And so that's interesting because especially when you have like a podcast and you get to have a job like this, where you talk to a lot of experts, you're like, okay, I'm hearing the theme, which is like a lot of stuff comes back to family origin or whatever you want to call it. But to your point, you're really, you know, your life earlier. So this is really interesting. Also, if you guys like this kind of stuff, Dr. Sasha has an amazing podcast called Digging Deep. I'll link to it in the show notes, but also check it out because you like I love this kind of stuff. And sometimes I'm always like, where can you find more people who are just talking about this nonstop? So digging deep and then, okay, let's move into procrastination because I'm sure there's some people listening to this and they're like, yeah, I have been labeled a procrastinator. And then of course, I now probably label myself as a procrastinator. So where is procrastination born? It's not genetic. So it comes from something in our environment, right?
2: Right. So people believe that procrastination is a time management issue and that's the first mistake, you know, but so much research now can, Really point to the fact that it's an emotional regulation issue. So essentially we're postponing a task that we know is important, despite knowing that it also will negatively impact us, which then tends to make us feel again negatively about ourselves. So, okay, what is you know emotional regulation or how is this emotional regulation issue? Since our ability to emotionally regulate, so our ability to manage and respond to an emotional experience is born through our childhood experiences, it is also believed that procrastination is. So where we find ourselves to have much more difficult emotional experiences, we find that this will later shape our cognitive processes as as adults. So this means that procrastinators can actually look to their attachment styles with their earlier caregivers for some idea of where this is born. So children, for instance, who experience more guilt, anxiety, resentment, or anger towards their parents, actually research reveals that they have higher rates of procrastination, which tells us again, that this has so much to do with our initial attachment styles and our earlier relationships with our caregivers, whoever that may be. Doesn't necessarily have to just be a parent, can be your teachers as well. So the anxious attached child, or the avoidant attached child, again, has higher rates of procrastination, which makes a lot of sense because if you look at, you know, the securely attached child, this is someone who felt that their emotional needs were met. They felt a sense of autonomy. They felt love. They felt supported. And because of that, they aren't as afraid of failure. So that doesn't mean that, You know, they go through life without feeling failure or they go through life even being okay with failure, but they're able to regroup and self-regulate after a failure. So they become much more approach oriented because they have enough inner support, you could say, as children that allow them to go out into the world, explore, mess up and come back and still feel like they'll be, you know, supported. They'll still have that autonomy. And on the flip side, if you grew up in a home where failure meant, you know, you were less than, or you didn't have that containment to come back to, you then really begin to believe that you're personally flawed over time. You know, you'd really personalize these experiences. So while children can be extremely resilient, they're also most more likely than adults to associate and attribute experiences that happen outside of them to themselves, because we're just much more egocentric as children. So because of that, you personalize everything and you become much more avoidant oriented because that fear that comes along with failure is more substantial. And then the ability to pick oneself back up isn't as readily available. So the avoidant behavior is actually a result of not avoiding the behavior itself, but the feelings associated with completing or not completing the task, like the anxiety, the self doubt, the boredom. So, either way, you know, these negative emotions really amplify procrastination and then ironically lead to more stress and more negative emotions.
1: Right. So, if you're an adult who identifies with being a procrastinator, or you feel like maybe you've even said to yourself, I have a time management and procrastination problem. It's kind of like, okay, pause, maybe go backwards into your childhood and see if you can recognize any of these patterns or things. Is that kind of a good place to start?
2: Definitely. And you really want to go back anytime you're experiencing some sort of dysfunctional emotion or behavior and really understand the source of where that was born. And is it still yours to hold as an adult? And procrastination is one of those big ones that, you know, doesn't often get paired with looking back into our childhoods because people want to make it a time management issue, but it is mm-hmm. so highly connected to our emotions.
1: So step one in sort of overcoming procrastination is like recognizing where it stems from, you think, versus like just addressing hundred yeah.
2: percent a
1: to-do list situation. Definitely. Claire is an innovative new e-commerce paint startup that takes the hassle out of paint shopping with a streamlined selection of designer curated colors, peel and stick swatches, and premium paint and supplies delivered straight to your door. Claire is a Black woman-owned business run by interior designer Nicole Gibbons. Nicole saw that the traditional paint shopping experience was outdated and full of hassle, so she decided to create a better brand and a whole new experience that's easier, faster, and more convenient, not to mention more inspiring. Claire also offers ultra-premium paint that's healthier for your home and the environment. With an interior designer at the helm, Claire brings an expert point of view on color and design, which sets the brand apart from other paint companies. Unlike traditional paint brands, which overwhelm you with thousands of colors, Claire focuses on fewer, better colors expertly curated through an interior designer's lens. If you need a little help choosing a paint color, you can try Claire Color Genius, a fun two-minute quiz that's like having an interior designer help you choose your paint color. You answer a few easy questions about your space and your style and Claire delivers a personalized paint color recommendation for you with Claire. You can find everything you need to choose paint color and tackle your paint project with confidence without leaving your home from the products to inspiration, tips and tutorials. It's literally a one-stop shop. I use Claire to help me pick my office color. Visit Claire at www.claire.com Contessa to get started and use the code Contessa, C-O-N-T-E-S-S-A to receive $5 off your first gallon of paint. One more time, that's www.claire.com slash Contessa. Claire is spelled C-L-A-R-E. And then you wanna use the code Contessa for $5 off. So that's C-O-N-T-E-S-S-A. All right, now back to the show.
2: Hey, I'm Allie Colbert. I'm a stand-up comedian, actress, and writer from New York City. And I'm Jackie Colbert. I have made my career as a comedian by using my insights and wit to make points. Funny points, but points. Look, I have good taste and too much common sense for just myself, so I'm going to share it with you guys. Okay, Allie. Get over yourself. (laughs) And my younger sister and best friend Jackie is here to bring me back down to earth. Every Tuesday, Jackie and I are going to hang out with each other and some of our favorite people... And of course, respond to your questions and confessions. So send in your secrets. It's like church, but I'm Jewish and bisexual. Tune in every Tuesday for a new episode. Subscribe, rate, review. You know the drill.
1: Okay, and then talk to me about the difference between motivation versus consistency and discipline. Because I think also people who maybe label themselves as having a procrastination issue, they think it's a motivation issue, right? Like I'm just not motivated to do whatever, which is why I procrastinate on that thing. So maybe it's, it's the, the thing I'm working on. I see this a lot with like job, like job hopping. People will be like, I'm not motivated in my job. I procrastinate on everything. It probably means that I'm bored in this job and I need to get a new job, you know? So like something new, AKA the grass is always greener kind of mentality, I feel like kind of takes over.
2: Right. So motivation and staying disciplined, you're right, are words that are used very interchangeably, but they're vastly different. And they're also both connected to our ability to self-regulate. So, I mean, one could argue that everything is, but motivation really can be thought of as the initial stage. So it's really about selecting goals and committing to them based off of some expected values. So With motivation, we talk about two words, intrinsic, which means, you know, it's internally, personally rewarding to you or extrinsic, which means that it is externally, you're being externally rewarded or punished even for something. So, for example, a child studying for a test because they're afraid of their parents' punishment is a form of extrinsic motivation. On the other side, volition, which refers to really the next stage of really planning and enacting behaviors in pursuit of that goal. In other words, motivation is really about wanting, whereas volition is actually our willingness to take action towards a goal. goal. So volition is much more connected to discipline. And What's really, really interesting about all of this is that extrinsic motivation actually diminishes our intrinsic motivation, which is really, really interesting to think about. I actually find this is the most interesting part of the research. So if we're actually doing something that we love because we're internally motivated by it, and over time we're getting you know, externally rewarded for whatever that is, it actually decreases your internal motivation in the future and and it diminishes your enjoyment of the task. So motivation aside, discipline on the other end has a lot more to do with kind of sitting in discomfort. And yeah, believe it or not, is actually an even greater predictor of academic performance than IQ is. You know, the twist here is that while discipline is also something that's fostered in childhood, it can be learned at any time. It's not waiting for it to feel right. It actually requires us to challenge the discomfort and the action actually precedes the motivation. So unlike motivation, discipline is actually a verb. You know, We as humans are creatures of habit. So a huge part of discipline is consistently showing up despite the discomfort. And like Of course, therapy or coaching is a huge help because it really allows you to break down the emotional thought pattern and really remove some of its pattern over time. But that doesn't mean those feelings or thoughts won't creep in again. You know, we're human. So the big difference here with discipline is that you're pushing forward, even if it may feel painful at times with the intention that it will become less and less difficult over time. So getting comfortable with being uncomfortable is really how you want to think of discipline
1: hmm I always say, and I know everyone who listens to this podcast is probably sick of this, but I'm going to say it again. Um, you got to sit in the pocket a little bit longer. And again, this is like a football metaphor that my mom all, told me all the time as a kid, and I never really appreciated it until recently. And it's just all about being uncomfortable with the uncomfortable. And again, as someone who gets to like, kind of, I guess, talk to a lot of experts about this and research it, that's another common theme I'm seeing, which is, it's not that you won't fail. It's not that you won't be uncomfortable, which is, I think the, the opposite, which is like a lot of people are striving for that. Like you feel like you've made it if you get to be comfortable all the time. But the reality is, is like, well, life is going to have constant discomfort. So how, how can you sit in it and kind of ride that wave? Um, and I'm sure self-regulation and of emotions is a big piece of that, but it's interesting that you're describing the difference between motivation and discipline. It almost feels like if I was going to if I was like going to work with a therapist or if I got this, you know, a genie came down and like, here are the three, like I'll grant you three wishes. It's like, you'd almost want to wish to be a person who has discipline, right? Would that be more valuable than being a person who, I don't know, has external motivation in their life, like a lot of it or something?
2: Definitely. I, th- I think discipline will take you a lot further again, because it is oriented in the self.
1: Yeah. And discipline, I think it's nice because you put discipline and consistency together, which is kind of boring to people. They're like, ah, consistency, it's kind of boring, but it's like, well, but these are the things that help you end up not being, you know, the high highs and low lows. It's like kind of more of an even keel situation.
2: Definitely. And even within my own practice, if we're not even talking about procrastination, we're talking about emotions in general and really understanding self-development in adulthood. You know, I always say to my clients, uh, you know, coming in every other week isn't going to work in your favor as much as coming in every single week is because you're really taking that responsibility and that responsibility requires discipline. So that's huge. So you're like
1: building one while you do the other. Exactly. Okay. So I know everyone listening to this podcast is like, okay, I want to know how I can overcome and... beat procrastination or stop procrastinating, which I'm sure your tips are going to be very different than what they're expecting. Because to your point, we can't just, this isn't just about to-do lists. So when it comes to, you know, stopping your procrastination, what is one of the first tips you would give people?
2: Yeah. So the first thing really of gaining control, again, requires us to go back into our childhood and understand how these systems were formed. So what were our attachment styles? You know, how did these relationships make us feel early on? And what did we really internalize that is not ours to hold? That's a huge piece here. Again, you know, what did we internalize from our relationships with our parents, maybe instances in school that is not holding true as an adult But still, of course, feels very ingrained within our minds. One other piece here is working towards understanding perfectionism is really not a goal and beginning to value the process of doing things because it makes us feel good about ourselves as opposed to what it makes us look like from the outside. So, this is again, you know, the reason why I say going back is so important. This is going to require us knowing what makes us feel good. So a lot of people don't even know what makes them feel good because they've been so motivated by- Like an outcome. Exactly. So Mm -hmm. really learning to value our own needs and desires as opposed to someone else's is going to be a big piece of how to initially go back the idea here is that you want to build more self acceptance and more self love and that's going to require really understanding where a lot of these initial thoughts were you know created
1: so kind of the first practice which this doesn't have to take you a really long time is answer these questions for yourself it might be something that you ask you know re- you know repeat I guess like you ask yourself these questions every week to try to understand more and more, but in terms of like taking the time to sit down and ask yourself these questions, that's a first tip. And in in my opinion, that's not like a super long practice that you need to do. You could do that with like 15, 20 minutes a day or something like that.
2: I would even say that it's also a lifelong practice. It's like constantly, uh, that's going to be constantly changing as you are an adult. You know, you're still self developing every single year. So I think it's something that you're constantly asking yourself what is it that you value? What is it that you desire? How is that different from last year? And really just kind of building this relationship the same way you would date someone, you're dating yourself and really understanding, you know, what it is that you care most about. Mm -hmm. So what's
1: your second tip for overcoming procrastination?
2: So from a much more behavioral perspective, which I think a lot of people, you know, like to hold on to because it gives them techniques and tactics. You really want to ask yourself, you want to first really acknowledge the procrastination. So what is it that I'm putting off and why? So first, you just want to acknowledge what that may be. And then you want to ask yourself, how long have I been putting this off for? So again, that's going to be going back to where this was born. So how long have I been avoiding this specific thing? And then you want to understand the connection to the emotion that you're avoiding. So, you know, you'd ask yourself, what is this task bringing up for you? So do you fear fear? you know, maybe the feeling of boredom that may come up? Do you fear, you know, doubt that may come up? Do you fear anxiety? Do you fear the failure or all of the above? You know, you really want to understand what emotion is connected to it. You're breaking all of this down. And then the next question is, what is the behavior that usually comes up? And represses these feelings. So, you know, is that instant gratification of going on Instagram or on Facebook or, you know, eating or whatever it may be? So, what are you doing instead of the behavior? And then finally, again, that discipline piece, which is sitting in discomfort, is you want to challenge the emotion that's leading you to avoid. So, you want to ask yourself, how would you feel if you completed the task? just a small piece or portion of that task. You know, if you're afraid of being viewed as inadequate, you know, really break down what it would mean to feel that way. And what evidence do you have that these thoughts that you've internalized so early on are actually true? So you want to begin to really then challenge the emotions and feelings that are associated with it.
1: Wow. I love that. And what about a third tip? Last tip for beating procrastination could be behavioral, emotional, we'll take anything.
2: (laughs) Sure, sure. As a last tip, I would say, you know, again, from a behavioral point of view, a really, you know, simple way is breaking down larger goals into smaller tasks. So they just become less intimidating to us. So, you know, if you're writing an essay, you want to start for example, with an outline or even me when I'm creating a podcast, you know, I don't necessarily, you know, start with all the questions, but I first decide like, what's the mission or goal with this episode? You know, what kind of guests do I want for this episode? And then I break it down into smaller and smaller decisions. So you want to break down larger things into smaller parts. And then what's really helpful for a procrastinator is to outline what that day looks like for you just as a parent would really come up with a schedule for their child. So this is a huge form of reparenting that can be extremely, extremely useful. It's called the Pomodoro technique. And essentially you have yourself, you know, working for, you know, 25 to 30 minutes and then breaking for 10 and then kind of repeating that for, you know, four segments. So it really allows you to have again, that schedule and that schedule mimics that containment that we didn't have in childhood and gives it to us as an adult. You're really giving yourself that containment you needed earlier.
1: Wow. These are amazing. I'm. It's funny. I'm actually procrastinating working on a podcast episode outline. So this is very good information at the right time for me in terms of overcoming procrastination. And I really love the approach of breaking it down to smaller tasks. I think that's always works. There's actually someone we interviewed on our show, maybe uh, it must've been during COVID. So 2020, it's been a while, Ashira Gill, and she has this thing called the 15 minute win. And it's like, she says, just time yourself for 15 minutes to, you know, organize the junk drawer that you've been putting off for six months, you know, just do that one task. And I have, implemented that. And I do find that it really helps. And sometimes at the end of the 15 minutes, I'm done, but I get the satisfaction of also being feeling done with it. And I do think part of procrastination is you're, you're also trying to get out of that shame cycle of like shaming yourself around the fact that you didn't do it. And so I've also, if 25 to 30 minutes seems intimidating people, you can also try the 15 minute win approach. You can always lower the time. Definitely. Too.
2: Any time frame that yeah. works for you. It's like setting a timer to 10 minutes on 10 minutes off. Yeah. It's really about just, again, breaking those down into smaller and smaller increments. And as someone who I don't even like to call myself a prior procrastinator, I'm still a procrastinator. I require that kind of reparenting of myself. And I don't think that there's anything that anyone should be ashamed of. It's just something that allows me to push forward through that discomfort.
1: Yeah. And I mean, going back to your first tip, which is all about like acknowledging this and and recognizing it and, and asking yourself some questions. So, you know, I think these are amazing tips. They're quick practices. I don't think they're things that people need to feel like their whole life needs to stop in order to do. And I think that to your point, all these small acts are going to add up to Big behavior changes and and hopefully increase discipline in in the the task that you're doing, which should bring you, you know, that higher self-esteem and some fulfillment on the other end, which, you know, I I find as humans, we're just very motivated to stick with things when we feel like they're working. But these have been awesome tips. Dr. Sasha, where can people find you and follow you if they want to keep up with your work? Where where are some good places for them to go?
2: Yeah, I can be followed on Instagram at Dr. Sasha Shokrian. And I also have my podcast. You mentioned Digging Deep, where we really focus on a lot of these types of topics and break down a lot of, you know, healing and break down a lot of what's going on in other people's lives as well. And you can also find me on my website, of course, at DrSashaShokrian.com.
1: Amazing. Thank you so much.
2: Thank you so much for having me.
1: Thank you for listening to this episode of the Career Contessa podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider leaving us a review. Your reviews help us a lot. You can also DM us at Career Contessa on Instagram and let us know what you thought of this episode. If you want to learn more about motivation and how you can take control of that, check out our online course, Mission Motivation. We'll show you how to increase your motivation in just 28 days. I've linked to the course and Dr. Sasha's links in the show notes.